Good evening. It is good to have each and every one out with us for our second half of our worship service. And after this morning's lesson about a king on a cross and the things that God has, through Christ has done for us, we can do so much more for God today. That's not saying that God needs us. You know, that, 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 that term that, that God needs us, it's in our, uh, our gospel minutes this morning. And it's a, what a wonderful read. That's, that's a lesson in and of itself. So today I'm going to ask you to think this way, though. We need God in our everyday walk of life. We need Him for our being. We need Him for our, for our existence. We need Him for our salvation. We tell Him that we need Him by saying that again, that thank you very much. And, and we do that by being reconciled to Him. So that's our thought tonight. Being reconciled to God or drawn near unto Him. There are several steps that we got to take for that to happen. For you to be a child of God, God has given you specific instructions for you to follow. We consider them the five steps of the plan of salvation. We made mention of those this morning, or the basic principles of Christ. But there's a step that's exceedingly difficult that all the faces I'm looking at tonight are already on this step. And that is living faithful for the rest of your life. That's the sixth step. So we think about ourselves. We think about what type of life that we're living. We look within ourselves and are we pleasing to God? I don't mean to your neighbor or to your spouse or, or to your children. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about our Father in heaven. Are we pleasing unto Him? God has given us instructions or even plain, plain living well examples in how we are to live and how we are to be pleasing unto Him. But we know we got to have faith. Hebrews 11.6 teaches for it's impossible without faith to please God. Without it, you can't do it. So we need to think within ourselves as we dive in tonight. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth the second time, and he tells them to be reconciled to God. And we got some more scriptures to read and, and different books to, to refer what we're really discussing tonight. But as you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Paul makes some extreme points, and he, and he drives some points home here. Was effective then, and is so much effective even unto this day. Just because we're 2,000 years into the church's existence doesn't mean we should fall back. Doesn't mean we should be in relaxed mode or, or, or kick back rather. This morning we learned about Christ giving it all for our sins. And I know there's some folks out there who are thinking that just because I'm a good person, God's going to save me. Unfortunately, that's going to be a no. Because there is a word in here that we need to reflect on. There's a word in here that reflects on so many times, and so many times folks read over it, and we've studied on this word, and we've, we've thought on it here at Booth Chapel. And I want us to think about it when we get there. It's actually in the, the last verse of our, of our reading here. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. For if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. <laughs> Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All right, take notice of that verse there. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us the word of reconciliation. Again, take note of that. Verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Remember our study from this morning of Christ upon the cross? For he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the, recon the righteousness of God in him. Now, did you notice the word that we need to reflect on? M-I-G-H-T. Now, we're going to back up. We're going to dive into these scriptures. But here, when I made that, nut, that, that comment of saying that there are folks out there who believe they're just going to be saved. They haven't even darkened the doorway of a church building. They have yet to come into contact of Christ's blood. And they expect God to save them on judgment day. Might requires or reflects choice. Reflects choice to be obedient unto him and be God's children. We reflect upon 2 John verse 9. To the, if, you do not, if you're not obedient to Christ's laws, you are not Christ, nor do you have God. But if you're obedient to Christ's laws and his commands, you have the Father and the Son. We need to reflect on that as well. So as a backup, remember I said take notice of a verse. Uh, a couple of verses actually. <clears throat> Verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, let's, of course, break this down in verse 18. I know there's some more studies in there, but we're going to start in verse 18. Now all things are of God. I agree with that statement. Anything and of everything that we see belongs to the Father, period. The people that you see, the things that you see, the, 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 the stuff that was created that's out of our hands all belong to God. And they all consist of Jesus Christ. They exist and consist of the power of Jesus Christ. So we see all things belonging to God in the first place. Well, wait a minute. I refer to this verse often, Isaiah 59, 2, that sin separates us from God. So if we belong to God and we have sin, well, guess who we belong to? The devil. Ouch. The devil. 
When we wear sin and we're actively sinning and we're abiding in sin, refuse to come to God through repentance, confession, putting Christ on, we refuse to do those things. Jesus said to those Jews, did he not? Remember the, th- the, the question that he asked them, who are, who's your father? Here's the nutshell answer. First, they say, uh, Abraham. He says, no, you're doing worse, Abraham. Uh, if, if, if it was the second, they said, we're not born of fornication. Well, God is our father. No, if you were God, you would love me. So he tells them plainly, plainly, the works that you do, the, the active sin that says participating in, woe unto you. He's telling them that Satan is your father. So a reconciliation needs to happen. A departing from iniquity and coming to righteousness needs to happen. And that is reconciliation. There is only one way that can happen. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. Previous to that statement, Christ says in John 14, 6, I am the way, truth, and the life. That's what he says. So without Christ, can we get to God? Absolutely no. Absolutely. Can not do it. Even in John 15, 5, he tells us, for without him we can do nothing. We can't do it ourselves. So Christ's determined purpose as he's coming here upon this earth was of course to be our perfect example of what the life that we should live. And after that life, that death that took on sin. The sin that he died for all, as we previously just just read. That he died for all, that all should die to sin. But God allowed that to happen, to be drawn from our sinful state, our dead status in his eyes, to come unto him and abide in righteousness. Is it impossible to abide in righteousness while we're here upon this earth? It's not impossible. It's difficult but it's not impossible. Now, I didn't say that we can't sin. I did not say that at all. Do you think it's righteousness to sin and repent of it? Ask for forgiveness and be restored? That's what righteousness is all about. Now, this is the opposite of righteousness, sinning and not caring. That's the opposite of righteousness, is it not? That's abiding in sin. That's living according to the flesh. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That act of Christ giving his life. We made an example this morning of his blood shedding for the remission of sins. That's the only thing. We learn in uh, 1 John 1 and 7, that's the only thing that can wash our sins away. That was the purpose of it. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do we remember it in, a, in Ephesians? It wasn't that long ago here in our Bible studies here at Booth Chapel. And it might not have been too very long ago in your studies there in your home congregation, if you have one. Do y'all remember the purpose of the mystery? Well, first off, the mystery being revealed. The purpose of the mystery. And then the appreciation of the mystery in Ephesians chapter 3. The entire chapter. Well, first off, the mystery being revealed. That is, salvation was unknown to the Jews. They was unknown previous to Christ. Christ revealed them. 
And he made known what salvation was. He made known how to live a perfect example of a Christian life. That is, to be a godly person in an ungodly world. And that was the mystery being revealed. So what's the purpose of the mystery, you might ask? This purpose well, is to, to save our souls. Not only to our, save our souls, for those who are aware of this mystery, to share it. To go out into the world and reconcile people to God. Make them know, or help them to know and realize who Christ is. The purpose of God, salvation, the Holy Spirit, the church. Make them known the truths that it is of a spiritual nature. Let them know what the truth is. As children of God, we have that commission that God has given us to do. To go out into the world and create disciples. A ministry of reconciliation. Whenever Christ <clears throat> left this earth, when he ascended into the heavens far beyond the heavens. And those men in Acts chapter 1 seen him do so. You see, remember those two men standing in a wild apparel says, why ye men of Galilee staring up to the heaven? This same Jesus will come back. Just because he's gone, that doesn't mean he ain't coming back. We see Paul here also writing that they knew Christ in the flesh but therefore they don't know him no longer in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That is to say, he's not here upon this earth anymore. He's at the right hand of God waiting for the coming kingdom. That is, well, not for the coming kingdom, but his second return where he can turn the keys to the kingdom over to the Father. That's what I meant to say. So my question here while we're in verse 18, how is your ministry is it working well? Are you struggling? Having difficulties? Bumps in the road? There are going to be bumps in the road when it comes to your ministry. When it comes to talking to somebody, you're going to have difficulties. When it comes to encouraging someone, you're going to have difficulties. Don't let it stop you from performing your ministry. Do it to the best of your ability with the tools that God has given you to do and then verse 19. That is that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed us the word of reconciliation. Verse 19 says this. God was in Christ. Trying to get his creation, that is people, to turn away from their sins. Not allowing, not allowing trespasses to continue. Not, uh, not approving it, but condemning it. And has committed us, that is Christians, the word of reconciliation. So we see Christ beginning a ministry. We see his baptism. We see him having that conversation with his cousin, John the Baptist. Y'all remember that? Whenever he popped over that hill and John the Baptist says, Look, Savior of the world, here he comes, right there. And he walks down into that water and John the Baptist says, Whoa, wait a minute, I need to be baptized of you first. You remember what Christ said? He says, Allow it to be so or suffer it to be so. He is allowing John the Baptist to baptize him. Why did he do that? 
Christ knew no sin. We're immersed for the remission of sins and to take Christ's blood on. Why was he immersed? Why was he baptized? Because it was for our example. And it was God's commission for human beings, you and I, to be baptized for the remission of sins. That's the reason why Christ was immersed. And he come up out of that water, immediately sprung up, and what happens after that? That dove descends down. And the cloud comes out and says, Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. Can God say that about us? Once Christ was immersed, you know what he did immediately? He began his ministry. That is teaching the kingdom of God. Immediately. He fulfilled his ministry on the cross. Previous to that, he gave that commission to his disciples, soon to be apostles, because remember, he had to leave. He, he had to leave before the helper or comforter had to come. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was Christ was still here. There was no need for the Holy Spirit to be amongst men. They was listening to Christ. But they was listening to God himself. It was the Son, but it was God himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. As Christ's ministry was finished, as he died upon that cross, and those apostles, well, disciples still, whenever they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, then they became apostles. Then they could teach with authority. They had those gifts to prove that they were from God. Folks, we have the Word. We see the Christ ministry being carried on through the apostles, the apostles being able to pass that gift on to someone, but that gift stopped with that person. And once they passed from this earth, that's 2,000 years ago. We don't live that long anymore. The ministry was, the, the, think of it as a torch. That torch was passed to you and I today when we became a child of God. Just like Christ, when he was immersed, when he was rose up, sprung up out of that water, he began his Christian ministry. For his ministry to God, his ministry of reconciliation. That is to bring people away from Satan, turn their minds away from iniquity and sin, and turn it toward God. Because that mystery has been revealed. That is salvation. The purpose of that mystery is to encourage people to come out of their dead status. How about that? Excuse me, that appreciation of the mystery. Well, first off, let's let's ask this question. We asked it on that Wednesday night when we began covering Ephesians chapter five toward the end of it. Y'all remember what that was? Y'all remember the uh, the question I asked you? The appreciation of the ministry. Here was this question. Are we thankful that heaven has been reserved for us? Are you thankful? We need to ask, when our, ask within ourselves. Do I really show my appreciation? Well, how do we show that appreciation? By slothful living? Like the prodigal son, wasteful living? I seriously hope not. I seriously hope we're trying our very best to be a child of God 
And the child of God has this ministry of reconciliation. That is to go out there and teach the word. We have been given that ministry. In verse 20. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone with authority coming before others to speak about somebody else. Uh, the United States have ambassadors in the embassies. Well, that person has authority in that in the embassy. Right? They have that they have that mouthpiece. They have that uh, authority. They have that position. That's what an ambassador is. They're a go-between. They're a, they're an instructor. They they have a, a, a special task. So here we see ourselves as ambassadors. You ever consider yourself as an ambassador? But not an ambassador of the United States or anything else here upon this earth. We're talking about an ambassador of Christ. Because we are in a foreign land, folks. Did Jesus not tell Pilate this morning that my kingdom is not of this world? Did he not say that? Is our kingdom, is our place here of this world? It's not. We sing a wonderful song. This world is not my home. What a beautiful song. Our treasures are laid up beyond the blue. That's a whole lot of encouragement, is it not? To go out there into the world and be the best child of God that you can be. To be the best ambassador of Christ. To go out there and tell somebody who Jesus is. You ever been into a, been to a VBS? You ever taught children? And you start talking to them about Jesus Christ? They kind of look at you funny at first. And they're like, they have questions. They have these wonderful little questions that, that only can come from a child. Why did Christ? Why did he have to die? How, how was he born of a virgin, right? These, these questions that come from a child, and wait a minute, they don't fully understand. But then as they get more seasoned, y'all thought I was fixing to say it, didn't you? As they get of more of age and they become more knowledgeable, they appreciate the life that Christ lived. Do we appreciate that life that he lived? Do we appreciate enough to talk to folks about who Jesus is? They may have some questions. Even folks of a more mature age is going to have questions if they're not fully aware of who Christ is. Just because someone is 60 years old don't mean they're knowledgeable in the Bible, now does it? I know there's a lot of unlearned folks out there who are very well-seasoned age. I know this. And they just don't know. Which opens an opportunity to talk to God about somebody. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You ever considered you being the mouthpiece of God? You ever thought about, uh, you ever, have you ever talked or, or spoke to someone about God? It's a different feeling. It, it is. It's a different feeling. I can't, myself, I can't really explain it, which I've talked to Melissa before about that. Whenever uh, I'm having a conversation with someone about, someone about God, 
It's, I, I can't explain how the, the thoughts come. You ever, you ever have to come to that position when you're having a conversation with someone and, and, and you can't think of the scriptures and bang, there it is. You ever had that happen to you before? It's kind of amazing, is it not? You're encouraging someone to turn out of our sins. Why should the scriptures not be there? Which is an encouragement for us as well to study our word. Just to study the word, excuse me. When we're learned and when we're, and we're uh, well versed in the Bible and it's in our minds, I'm not saying remember it word to word or heart by heart. That's not what I'm saying. Be able to find it. That's an important one. Because when folks are going to have questions, it's important for us to have authority to be able to answer those questions. But not our own authority, the authority that's from God. Because notice what verse 20 is saying. When Paul says, as though God were pleading through us. When you're out to talking to someone who is lost, when you're God's mouthpiece, when you're that child of God trying to pull them away from where they're at in that sad, sinful state, guess who's pleading through you? God. God. He's working through you. Because his word is actively working in your life. You ever been in a situation that makes you feel bad? In a sinful state that makes you feel uneasy? You ever been there before? I have. Folks, the word should be working through us actively. Paul finishes verse 20 and says this. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. The anguish that our Lord and Savior went through. The reason why this morning's lesson I started off as a sore subject. Or it's a sad subject. But my spirit rejoices. Y'all remember me saying that? Our spirit should rejoice to know that, that Christ died for our sins. But our hearts should be saddened because he had to go through that. So we don't have to be held accountable to sin on Judgment Day. But that term might is there, is it not? So we look at verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And I got it wrong this morning when I said the sun, the skies were darkened for six hours. It started at six and ended at nine. When I said that, I thought that's that's wrong. I said it was only three hours, right? I had the term six. It was the six o'clock hours. I got that wrong. I'll get that correct now. So we know that Christ taking on sin for those three hours. The one and only time he was ever separated from his father. Period. From his entire life, he was separated from God at that time. When the gospel accounts and it says Jesus' few last words, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Because of sin. Because of my sin. Because of your sin. Because of the sins of the world. That's the reason why God couldn't be around him when he gave up the ghost. When he died upon that cross. For he made him, God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. For Christ lived that perfect life. Perfect life. Sin-free life. He was that spot free lamb sacrifice that Revelation refers to. And he has the keys 
He's the only one that could do it. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And there's that term, might. Just because Christ died on the cross for your sins does not mean that you're automatically saved. Now, does it? Does it? As we may have mentioned this morning in Bible class, a lot of folks know the terms, John 3.16. They all, they all don't fully grasp the full gravity of John 3.16 because they don't study the Bible. Most of them just know that one verse. I know folks who are that way. All I need is John 3.16. As I say many times and time over again, they need to read one more verse. It ain't that long. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. That's the same word, might. Notice what it said again in verse 21. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Well, first off, let's look at the choices of the term might. Might is, well, I choose to be a child of God. Without Christ's blood, you couldn't do so. Couldn't do it. That's one choice of might. The other choice of might is, <laughs> I don't really care what God would have me to do. I don't believe in this Bible. I don't believe that there's a God. There's so many voices out there that say these things. Well, the term might does not apply to them neither. Because you got to be reconciled. You got to be drawn near. You got to have access to God. You got to have Christ's blood. You got to be that faithful child of God. You got to put your best foot forward in the service of God. And that is in the performance of our everyday walks of life of reconciliation. That is that ministry of reconciliation that we're talking about tonight. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice the in him at the end of that statement. That is in Christ. Period. Must you be in Christ to be righteous? It's <laughs> the only way you're going to be righteous. You can't be righteous no other way. And I'm not saying that we're righteous right now. I'm not saying that. Because we're still wearing flesh. Christ considered himself not good, did he not? He did. What happens on that day that we're complete? What happens to that day when we're in glory with God? As we've been found faithful. As we've cast off mortality. And we've put on immortality. And we've become just like Christ. Well, guess what Christ is right now? Righteous. Have you ever pictured, pictured yourself being righteous with God? In the presence of God? In Christ? Have you ever pictured yourself there? I'm trying to paint a picture of you uh, for you in heaven. Our minds can't fathom. Sure, we can, we can kind of grasp the gravity of, of no death and, and peace. and, and we, we, can, we can kind of see a picture of that. But we can't fully fathom it. We can't fully understand it. But few will. I almost said some, but few will. Because few is the only ones that are going to find that straight and narrow pathway that leads to everlasting life. 
ask you a question this morning, or this morning, this evening, the beginning of this lesson. How is your ministry? Is it pleasing to God? Now we have a, a, a snippet of, or a, or a sneak peek, if you will, of the reason why we need to have a well-pleasing ministry. Because it costs God the Son his fleshly life here upon this earth. We should be appreciative of the things that God has given us. I know there are folks who well, I thank God all the time. I'll do this and I'm appreciative of this, that, and the other. How do we show our appreciation? Do we show our appreciation by frivolous living? Hopefully not. That's not how we do it. For as we have the marks of the ministry, God has given us an example on how we are to perform our ministry Christ lived that example of the marks of the ministry. Now how do we measure up? Do we measure up well? Or do we measure up poor? If you find yourself measuring up poor and you've fallen in some certain areas and need some encouragement, we offer that encouragement tonight. But if you find that lacking of performance or lacking of the, your ministry, do you find that uh, leading towards sin? And you have sinned. And you're displeased in the eyes of God. We offer that turnaround. We offer that repentance. We offer that coming back to God tonight. As we're about to stand and sing the song of invitation, as we're singing this song, I want you to think within yourselves. If Christ were coming right now, would I hear, well done, good and faithful servant? God looking at you, at your ministry and saying, that's a good job. Well done. If he's not going to say well done, we can make that right tonight as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.